I do. All right. Morning and welcome to um, kind of a summary of Christian doctrine. Uh, we, we're passing around a sign-up sheet just so we kind of know uh, who we have here, and that way we, we know can keep track and uh, welcome you and put you in the books as recorded of being here and everything. Um, don't worry, we won't send unsolicited emails or advertisements or anything like that. I promise. Um, before we get started. Just so you know, at this very church, in this very room, um, boy, how many years ago, 17, 18 years ago, I was in the same class, learning the same material, uh, at the same church, uh, from Pastor Poppy and from Pastor Burnt, and so kind of know where you're at sitting there and uh, wanting to learn a little bit. Don't feel uncomfortable. Don't feel nervous. If you have a question, feel free to ask it anytime. I'm happy to answer them. That's why we're here is to, to try and learn what we believe as Lutherans and why. And uh, uh, if you have a question, uh, try and stump the pastor. That, that'll make the class even more interesting. If you want me to talk and blab on for on and on and on, I can do that. But it might be better if you have questions and ask them. Um, Let's go ahead and we'll begin with a word of prayer and then uh, uh, we're going to start here with this little worksheet that I handed out learning about who God is uh, and how we know that uh, and so that's kind of what our goal is for this morning. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to learn your word and to learn the faith. We ask that you'd watch over us and bless us as we do so. Send your Holy Spirit through your word so that we might trust in you all the more. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is a summary of Christian doctrine, um, which is kind of our basic theolo theological position as uh, Lutherans. And... Um, to start with, if we're going to learn about a theological position, we have to talk about who? If there's a God or not, and who that God is. Because there's two big things that separate us as Christians from all the other religions, and that's uh, who our God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then also uh, what our God has done for us in the personal work of Jesus. And uh, so that's kind of where we have to start. And so you see there on this worksheet, um, at the top there we have, how do we know that God exists? Because um, that's not a... Uh, given statement in our society anymore, right? How many of you guys know people that don't believe there's a God, right? There, there's more and more and more of those, whereas maybe 100 years ago, 200 years ago, uh, those people existed, but they might not admit it. Today, uh, it's becoming more and more blatant, more and more open for people who do not believe in God. And so we have to ask the question, how do we even know that there is a God? How do we know uh, that He created things, that He exists, and that everything didn't just happen by chance uh, 16.3 billion years ago or whatever they say, okay? So that's the first thing we want to look at. And so um, how do we know God exists? And there's a couple ways. Uh, the first way uh, is where we'll start, which is nature. 
Um, and uh, that's the idea that um, there's lots of couples here, right? And so you guys go on a date, right? And you're holding hands, walking through the park or the driveway or whatever, and you look up at night, and what do you see? Stars. Oh, how beautiful. Where did it all come from, right? Um, that's the idea that nature says that there's a God. Um, I know that way is kind of under attack now uh, with modern physics and things like that, but it still is there. Or when you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look and you say, how in the world could this Grand Canyon have been carved? It just doesn't make any sense. There must be something. Or um, it's maybe even the feeling you get when you um, are at the bedside of a loved one who's dying or um, when you uh, are a baby's born, right? So, do anybody have kids in the All right, yep. When the baby comes out and it's all slimy and gooey and mom gets to hold it for the first time, what's mom say? Oh, they're... What a blessing, there must be a God, right? Um, or when you adopt your first child or things like that, okay? All these are the natural revelation of God, and Scripture teaches about that. And so would somebody read Psalm 19.1 to start? You want, uh, it's on the sheet, by the way, too, if, you, if it helps, makes it easier. Does everybody have a sheet? Fantastic. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. All right. Scripture says the heavens above, the stars uh, declare the handiwork of God. You look up and you say, oh yeah, there must be a God. Look how beautiful everything is. All right. How about that next one from Romans 1? For what can any be known about God is plain because God has Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. All right. St. Paul is writing there about um, all humanity. They are without excuse before God because when you look around you, there, there is evidence that there is a God. When you think about the way that DNA replicates now today, you ever thought about that? You should even go search YouTube. They have videos of how DNA replicates, and one side it recreates it forwards, one side it rewrites it backwards, and it's got these little atoms that are moving around. It's, it's, I'll see if I can find a video and bring it. You look at that and you say, how in the world does that happen naturally? Right? And, and we as Christians would say, because there is a God. Now, nature reveals that there's a God. When you look at these things, like all the examples I've said, the dangerous thing is that nature does not tell us who the God that does all the God things in, in existence is. Right? Because you... Anybody been to Africa? Okay. I've, I've been to the Serengeti, and you stand there, and you see the uh, wildebeest running in front of you, and you're like, wow, there must be a god. And then all of a sudden, what happens? A lion goes up and grabs one of the wildebeest and tears it into pieces in front of you, right? 
that God is a little frightening. <laughs> is that fair to say? Um, or, or even um, when I was there too, the guide said there, we'd stopped this place, they had a bathroom, we walked out, and um, there was a hippo that was feeding. And uh, he was like, stay away from the hippo because they're not as nice as they look. That God is a little dangerous. The God of nature is dangerous because sometimes nature kills, destroys, punishes. And, and so that's the case. You stand on the, the edge of the Grand Canyon and you slip and fall in. And the God who created gravity is going to show you he exists right away. So that's one way that we know there's a God. It doesn't tell us who the God is, and it is a little bit dangerous to know God only through nature. Okay? Um, Second way, and this is the way, you guys have heard of C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He also wrote a book called Mere Christianity uh, as a defense and apologetic uh, for Christianity. This is the way that he approached God, uh, and that's through the conscience. Okay? Um, and so let's go ahead. Um, let's read Romans 2.15, if somebody would volunteer to read that one. We won't read all these Bible passages, but we'll read uh, a lot of them. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them. All right. They show the works of the law are written on their hearts. This is the conscience, and this is uh, something that all people in the world have. All right. So, let's see. What's your name? Jonah. Jonah. When Jonah was a kid, he... you have a brother? I do. He, he and his brother were playing baseball in the front yard, right? And Jonah threw the baseball through the car windshield, right? And the whole thing... I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey! I picked right. And when Jonah did that, and he looked at the windshield, what did he feel? Mom and dad are going to kill me. Right. And, and what's a way of saying that's what he felt? It's, there's fear and there's also guilt um, that the thing he's done is wrong. Why does he feel that? The answer is God has written the law on all of our hearts. And all people have an idea of what right and wrong is. Not perfectly, because we're, we're sinful people, but they have an idea, right? So I have a, a two-year-old daughter. She's in the other Bible study. Um, and um, when she does something naughty, does she know it? Probably. Right, she does. And, and how does she show it? She, you know, she looks down, or she, she cries, or she whimpers, or um, she hides, right? Why do kids do that? Because they have a conscience. The conscience tells them that some things are wrong and some things are right. Where does that come from? We as Christians would say it comes from God. God teaches us before we're even born and can think and reason what right and wrong is. This is why across all cultures, is it right to walk up to someone in the park and stab them? No. No. <laughs> Why not? Because everybody has a 
conscience and the same law is written on their heart that says, this is wrong. Now, some people's consciences are broken, of course, right? And in fact, I'd say that for all of us, over time, our consciences get broken uh, and we do things that are wrong, we get used to it. But everybody has a general idea, murder is wrong. Stealing is wrong. And when we do those things and feel guilty, that's God's law written on our hearts, conscience, questions. See lots of, maybe confused, but following me? Okay, so all people know there is a God through the nature and through conscience. And the universe and uh, creation tell us a lot about him. Uh, and that's some of these passages here. But it's important for us to know, even with the conscience, we still don't know who our God is, right? Does the Muslim God teach that murder is wrong also? Depends on the person. It depends, yeah. Does the Jewish God teach that stealing is wrong? Does um, the Hindu gods teach those same things? But they're the same across all religions and all cultures, but we still don't know who God is. All we know that is that there is a God who has written his law in our heart and revealed it in nature in the way that things work uh, in their miraculous case. And so this is the bottom of the page. The natural knowledge of God through conscience and nature is not enough because it doesn't tell us who God is and how we can escape judgment from God uh, and enter heaven. The natural knowledge of God is not enough, so there must be something more than the law, uh, than nature. There must be a place where God tells us about himself. Okay? Now, we're Christians. Where is that place where God tells us about himself? In his word. The Bible. Okay? And that's... Oh, if you turn to page two, right across the top there, what do we have? <laughs> the Bible, right. It's almost like I planned it this way. <laughs> pa Pastor Burnt planned it that way, because these are actually his notes that I'm using here, even. The Bible, which is a revealed knowledge, which means the Bible is the place where God tells us who he is and what he does. So we don't have to guess. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to wonder what he does and who he is is clear in the scriptures. Uh, so John 17, 3, would someone read that? This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right, and Jesus also says in the Gospel of John, um, you search the scriptures thinking that by them you'll have eternal life, and yet these are the things that teach about me. Not me, but... Jesus, okay? The scriptures tell us who God is and what he does. Uh, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, thought up, invented, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God revealed to us through his spirit. The spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Words that are recorded for us in the Bible teach us who God is and what God does. You guys with me? This is, this is a huge thing, and this is what we strive for in, Lutheran, uh, in the Lutheran church. We don't want to know anything about God except for what God tells us himself in his word. And so uh, if the word says one thing, we're going to go with that completely and totally, even if it doesn't make sense, um, even if we can't comprehend it with human reason, if the Word says it, we as Lutherans believe it. Which is how we believe in things like the Trinity, right? How many gods do we have? One God. How many persons in the God? So the one is the three, and the three is the one. And we neither separate the substance nor confuse the persons, right? And that makes perfect logical sense. Okay, maybe not, right? But it, we believe it because it's what the scriptures say. Um, St. Augustine, I think, wrote a 1,200-page work on the Trinity, and in the end, his conclusion is, there's no way to understand it except believe what God says. Right? God says who he is in the Bible. All right, so what is the Bible? 1 Thessalonians 2 I, I'm trying to hurry a little here, too. First Thessalonians 2. Somebody read that one. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, who believers. Who, yeah, they're typo there. Believe. Yeah, sorry. Um, Hebrews 1. We even use this one in our liturgy. So we want to read that one? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the all right. What is the Bible? It is the Word of God revealed for us as people, as humans, uh, to understand who God is. Um, lots of churches don't believe that anymore. And you may even have seen churches that teach that the Bible is something that was made up by men um, thousands of years ago. Uh, that um, the, the people who we say wrote the books didn't write the books, that maybe there was more than one writer, or that uh, it evolved over time. And we as Lutherans deny that. We say the word in the Bible is directly from God, which is this next section, uh, who wrote the Bible. Let's see. Um, Second Peter, let's read that one, and then also Second Timothy 3. So the first and the last one there, can we read those, somebody? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. None of Scripture comes from people. It comes from God, the Holy Spirit. Um, and so some guy is writing the words of the Bible down, and he's writing it that way because God wills it. 
Um, God wills that the revelation recorded in that scripture is recorded the way it is. And, and it's difficult for us to understand how that happens. It's one of those mysteries of God. It's not like the person suddenly became possessed and just started scribbling notes out. God works in, in mysterious ways to make sure people record what is appropriate uh, in Scripture. And, and it happens, and so what Scripture says, we believe. And, and we know Scripture's true because Scripture interprets Scriptures. And we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself here. 2 Timothy 3. Can we read that one? All Scripture is God-made and is useful for teaching, rebuking, blessing, and training in righteousness. All right. All Scripture's from where? From God, breathed out by Him, um, and is useful then for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. For doing what we're doing now, for studying and understanding what it says and what it teaches. All right. Um, questions about that? Because I think, how, where, what's the background of some of you guys? Anybody that are Lutherans? A few? Okay. Uh, what about other ones? And I have to ask, too, the question, what, what type of Lutheran, I guess? LCMS. LCMS? Everybody? Missouri Synod. Good deal. Yeah. What other churches? I, I was raised here in Lincoln uh, as Disciples of Christ. We went to um, Southview Christian Church at 16th and South Street. Um, and in that church, they don't believe God's Word is from... God. And so we had some people who believed that um, Jesus didn't rise from the dead that were a member of our church. We had some people who believed that um, Jesus was just a man who was possessed by God. Uh, I was taught that in my confirmation class there, in fact, that uh, at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit possessed him like a puppet, and then abandoned him on the cross and let him die, um, which is not a particularly nice God, and yet it was still what I was taught. Um, I don't know, other, anybody else willing to share? No? Yeah. How did I become Missouri Synod? I became Missouri Synod because I didn't turn in my homework, and my parents made me go to Lincoln Lutheran, and Pastor Poppy came there and did chapel. And it was so refreshing to hear somebody who actually believed something. Um, and, and having something that we could teach and confess and believe in was a great thing. And, and so as a result, uh, when I turned 16, I said to my parents, I'm going to, since I can drive now, I'm going to go to a church that believes something. And they all came with me, luckily, so uh, it worked out well. So, but we don't want to talk about me too much, because I don't want to get in the way of the important stuff, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that's out there. If you don't, don't believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, you can believe whatever you want to. Um, you can take certain parts of scripture and twist them so uh, the Bible will say whatever you want to. We need to take the whole thing at its face value um, and, and believe it uh, if we want to end up in the right place in the end. And I think, you know, so here's my opinion, I think Lutherans do the best at that out of anybody, which is why I'm a 
Lutheran and a Lutheran pastor. All right, we're at the bottom of page two. Uh, what are some of the qualities of the Bible? Um, John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What's that tell us about the Bible? That it's the truth. And in fact, the more that we study it, actually, the more we find that to be the case. Um, even uh, the people who say the Bible was written much later, uh, perhaps while the prevailing view is that it was written while they were in Babylon in exile. The trouble with that is, is that there are geographical details and they match up in the Bible with what the actual geography of Israel is. Um, or um, the, thing, the most important truth that Scripture teaches is what? What's the one thing upon which our whole faith hinges? That without which our faith is futile, St. Paul says. The resurrection. The resurrection. And the Bible teaches the resurrection. And uh, actually, that's one of the things. There's a, there's a great debate by a guy named Gary Habermas and an atheist on this very topic where the, the resurrection... The only way we can really explain it uh, historically, its historicity, is if it was a real, true event. You can even go on YouTube and watch the debate between Gary Habermas and this other guy about the resurrection. Uh, this atheist, by the end of the debate, says, well, perhaps there's a resurrection, but I just don't want to believe that there was. Right? The scripture's true. And when we read the scripture, the things it says match up with both our historical evidence and with our, uh, uh, its, its own self. And, and so the Bible is God's word that is true. Um, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What else is scripture? Yeah, it kind of tells us about our existence, uh, what things happen and why. Right? Um, it guides us in our lives. It says, this is probably a better choice than that. Okay? For example, the Bible tells us what our consciences say, which is, don't murder. And if we, we follow that and we, we hear what Scripture says and we do that, that is good for us in our lives. Right? Um, that's fairly self-evident too, right? <laughs> Right? And it teaches you to appreciate your wonderful pastors, too. No, just... <laughs> well, it does, but... Um, yeah, what Scripture says helps us to get through our life. It gives us a word. So when we are standing in the, the funeral home next to our uh, deceased uh, grandparent or friend or, or whatnot, uh, how do we know what's happening? What's the world say? That he's going to rot. Yeah. That he ceased to exist and that there is no more. And all that's left is worm food. And it, you know, we might even, we might even try to remember the person, maybe, you know, General George Washington. What a great guy. He died. We'll build a really tall tower in his honor. We'll carve his face on the side of a mountain. 
But it doesn't matter because someday the sun's going to explode and it's all going to be destroyed anyways, right? That's what the world says. What do, we, what do we say as Christians that help us in the midst of that? What's that? Resurrection. Resurrection. That because Jesus rose, this person will rise also. This world is not the end, but there is a world to come that God has promised. And that world, there is no death, no suffering, no hunger, no pain. But instead, everything is very good, like it was in the beginning. Um, when you face the death of a loved one, God's Word gives hope. Whereas without God's Word, we have no hope. Right? Have you ever thought about that? Um... Even for your family, right? We, that, we talked earlier about the newborn baby and mom holds it all slimy, you know. Uh, looks like a lizard or whatever. And, and, oh, what an amazing thing. But without word of God, what hope is there for that thing? Some days can end up in a nursing home, miserable. It, it might get run over by a bus or, um, you know, terrible things might happen to it and it'll be dead and it'll be forgotten and it won't have mattered. With, as Christians, we have, we have a hope. The word is a light to our feet, uh, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Questions or thoughts? Okay, I'm not trying to be fatalistic here. I'm just trying to contrast things a little bit here. Okay. Can we say that the hope that we have is a guarantee? How do you ask me a different way? I mean... Okay. It, that hope is not really a hope that we secularly see on earth. That uh, we hope something happens. Right. Right, right. I, I understand your question now, because there's two different ways you could have been asking it, and, the, and I wanted to make sure. Um, yes, for us it is a certainty and a guarantee, the hope that we have. Now, it's a hope because um, it hasn't been fulfilled completely for us yet, right? So, Jonah hasn't died yet. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you married already? We are. You're okay. So you got life insurance, so it's okay now. <laughs> but let's see. You guys are getting married, right? Yeah. All right so you got to wait till he's sign on the line, and then... No, just keep it. <laughs> um, the hope is not fully realized, but it is guaranteed because of the resurrection. This is the thing I talked about a minute ago. Since Christ has been raised from the dead, everything we believe, teach, and confess uh, is a guaranteed, a now but not yet sort of thing. We have eternal life already, but not yet in its fullness. This is John, um, when uh, John 11, I think, when uh, Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life, whoever believes in me, uh, though he die, shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The promise is there, but it's not yet. Okay? And, and so, um, someday, 
hopefully a long time from now, but maybe maybe on the way home from church today, I don't know. Someday I'm going to die. Um, at that point, the hope that I have will find its fullness in Jesus. Um, and my family will put my body somewhere and my soul will be with Christ. And on the last day, Christ will return. He'll take my soul and my body and put them back together and I'll get to live forever. And, and that's the hope that we have. It just hasn't happened yet. Thank, thank goodness in some ways, right? I get to visit with my family a little lot, while longer, get to... Um, <laughs> pay bills for a few more years, right? We're a week from tomorrow. We're gonna we're buying a house, so I get to make mortgage payments now and all sorts of fun things. All right, um, that kind of answer. Other questions? This is dangerous because the clock is behind me. So if we get to ten thirty and I'm still talking, um, stop me. 2 Timothy 3.15. Can we read that one, please, too? Top of page 3. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All right, what's the Bible do according to this passage? Makes you wise, wise for... Right, and we even, it says there what the, we call that faith, right? The Word of God creates faith. Wherever the Word of God is preached and taught in its truth and purity, there the Holy Spirit works to create and sustain faith. And um, that's why we as Lutherans think the Word is so important. You know, Pastor Poppy, you sit down on his Bible study, about twice every Bible study he says, the Word, the Word, the Word, Right? Because where the Word is, faith is being created by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people reject the Word, uh, and they say, No, thanks, God, I don't need you, uh, or I, I don't like your Word, or this particular part uh, isn't uh, as important as you say, or I know better, and that's rejecting the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's still not there working in that Word. And the Bible contains God's Word, and where the, the Word of God is delivered, the Holy Spirit's creating faith. That's why everything we do in church, if, if you, have, uh, you have hymnals in front of you, if you open to like page 153 uh, or 152, anywhere in there, you'll see all the parts of the service that we do, what's next to it in little tiny uh, letters. I don't know which page I told you to turn to here. I said 152. 152, yeah. So I say, in peace let us pray to the Lord, and that comes from Mark 10, 47. What is that that we just sang? God's Word. God's Word. Um, or, let's, you know, you turn the page. The Gloria comes from Luke 2 and John 1. Uh, we're singing and speaking together back and forth. God's Word, because where God's Word is, faith is created. Or turn further back in the hymnal to a hymn. Um, I just turned to 347. Uh, Gentle Mary laid her child, a Christmas hymn. And down the bottom, the words from this hymn come from Luke 2 and, well, I can't see that bifocals here, Philemon 2 and 1 John 3 comes from God's Word. 
And the pastor, when he preaches a sermon, what's his job? To tell you what I think? To preach the word, right? Uh, now, I could tell you what I think about all sorts of things. We could talk about politics. We could talk about, um, you know, the best kind of cheese to eat or the best wine to drink or how to make a really good Long Island iced tea at home. It's really easy. <laughs> um, we could talk about those things. Those are my opinion. But when I'm in the pulpit, I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm here to tell you what God says in his word. Okay? All right. Um, why? Through that word, we're made wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All right. Now, this next question, how are we to use the Bible, which is the place where we learn about God? We've already kind of talked about it a little bit. Because we use the Bible for our church services, the liturgy. Everything we do in the church service comes from the Bible. Everything the pastor preaches in his sermon is supposed to come from or teach us about the Bible, right? Now, this morning, as an example, uh, did Pastor Poppy only tell you what's in the Bible? Or did he use some other examples? Right, how many people are in church? We, so last week, Pastor Poppy and I did the radio show talking about what's coming up. And... Uh, went home, went to the library with my wife and kids, and sitting out on display in the movie section at the library was the movie True Grit. I thought, this matches with the, so I grabbed it and watched it, and now this morning, Pastor Poppy preached on True Grit. Not for the sake of John Wayne or movies like that, but for the sake of teaching us what God's Word says. Bible study, pastors to give you God's Word. When you're sick and in the hospital, the pastor comes and gives you God's Word and uh, uh, the sacraments as well. Everything that we do as a church is all about the Word, the Word, the Word. Okay? Um, let's see, what should these... Maybe we should, we're running out of time. Maybe we should just do... Um, what's the most important word that the Bible says? And that's the last question there. How does the Bible say we are saved? What's, what's the main thrust and teaching of all of the Bible from beginning to end? The answer is Jesus. Teaching us about what He does for us. So this morning our Old Testament lesson was the creation, where God made everything and said it was good, and almost immediately after the creation, what did man, mankind do? They fell into sin. They said, we don't need your word, God. God's word said, don't eat from that tree, and they said, we think we know better than your word says, God, and they ate, and that sin, and they died as a result. God showed up and saw what they did, and what did God say? Genesis 3.16 says um, there will be enmity between the serpent and the woman, between the serpent's offspring or sinners and the woman's offspring, which is eventually who? Jesus. And the offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head even as the serpent strikes his heel. Who's that teaching us about? Jesus. God is promising Jesus almost as soon as sin enters the world. 
And God reminds Abraham of that promise. He says, your offspring will be like the grains of sand upon the, uh, the shore of the ocean. Uh, and your offspring, singular, will be a blessing for all the nations. Who's that offspring that blesses everyone? Jesus. Um, King David uh, writes in the Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, uh, I will put your enemies as a footstool under your feet. Um, the Lord, the King, David, is saying to the Lord, his Lord, who is Jesus, who is actually descended from David. Uh, all the prophets, all the Old Testament, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the whole lot is all there to teach us about Jesus and how he saves us uh, by going to the cross, shedding his blood, rising from the dead to take away all of our sins. All of scripture, that's what it's about uh, in the end, which is why God's word is so important. Probably better draw it to a close here. The elder will be mad if I don't show up to church. <laughs> Questions, comments, concerns, ideas, thoughts? Um, I don't have questions, but if anybody is Files. That was the first episode with Pastor Poppy that I interviewed him on. Was is the Bible really the Word of God? So if you are curious about that, there's another resource that you can use in light of today's Bible study. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty amazing to have an ancient document. Um, the veracity of the Scriptures. Maybe I'll close with this. We have the oldest extant section of Scripture, piece of papyrus that dates from uh, within a hundred years of the life of Jesus. Um, and we have thousands and thousands of copies of the scriptures that were written within 200, 300 years of the life of Jesus. And people sometimes doubt that he really existed. You take the same thing, somebody that lived earlier than Jesus by about 50, 60 years was Julius Caesar. The oldest written evidence we have of the existence of Julius Caesar is from a thousand years after Caesar died. <laughs> and how many copies of the, I'm talking, this is the, his, uh, his work on the Gallic Wars, uh, where he went and conquered France. Um, the, the, the earliest section of that is from a thousand years after he died, and uh, there's only about 20 or 30 copies, ancient copies of that. And so we have more evidence, really, for the existence of Jesus than we do of Julius Caesar. Which one do people actually doubt? Jesus, right? Because we're sinful people and everything's backwards for us. But, all right, we, we can kind of, if you take this home, read through, we didn't cover all the passages. If you have questions, write them down and bring them. That's why they pay me the big bucks is to try and answer your questions. Try and stump me. Um, I don't know everything. It would be good for all of us to learn uh, a little bit. Let's close with prayer. Let's close the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right.